Yeah, yeah. All right, if um, let's let's wind up our groups now, and if you could take any blue cards that you have, if you filled out the serve and lead, and kind of get them into the center, we're gonna collect them really quick. Do I have a couple people that would help me? Would volunteer to jump up and do that? Pass them all to the center. Somebody will come and collect them. All right, and as they do that, as you do that, uh, let's bow our heads and I want to pray before we start our teaching time today. Hey, God, thanks for uh, allowing us to be here. Thanks for allowing us to sing. And um, uh, Father, will you just meet us today where we're at and help us to be honest with ourselves and help, help us to be honest with you and be open to your teachings, your promptings. Father, use me just as a mouthpiece today. And we say this prayer in Christ's name, amen. Well, this morning I asked Matt to um, use the question for Your Story Matters on something that you've either quit or been tempted to quit and give up on because it goes along with what I want to talk about this morning. And I want to tell you a true story for me. About seven years ago, it was a snowy winter morning and we took our family to go snow skiing at Paoli Peaks or as my daughter Ashton likes to call it, Polio Peaks. That's what she calls it. So we all went to Polio Peaks to go snow skiing. And I, I really wanted to be the cool dad because I, I've been pretty full proficient in skiing, but my son had learned to snowboard. And so I thought, you know, I've watched people snowboard I think I can do this snowboard thing. So instead of getting skis, I got the snowboard. And in my mind, I imagined I was going to put on the snowboard and I was going to go, like that. Well, I got them on and it didn't go anything like that. I mean, I, I went more like, boom. And I was like, wow, that really hurt. And then I found myself laying on my back with the snowboard, trying to get up, going, looking for things to grab onto, people, pole, a tree, anything that I could do. And so I got up and did it again. I went about 15 feet. And this went on for about a half an hour. I did make it about 50 yards down the, uh, the slope. And the only thing that I could think of in my mind is if I don't give up this quickly, I'm going to be the person that they drive in the snowmobile and, you know, you lay down in the little thing behind and they pull you up the hill. And I was like, this is not going to be good at all. So I took my snowboard off, started going up the hill back to the ski shop where I got them, which is not very easy to walk in boots, if you, you know what I mean. So I get up there. I walked up to the ski counter, put it there. I'm like, I'm done. I'm out, okay? Give me a pair of skis uh, before I end up in the hospital because I am totally done with the snowboard thing. It just is not me. It just did not work out, and I'm going to be in traction or in a wheelchair for the rest of my life if I don't give this up. There are things in our lives that we try, and, and we get to a point where we realize this is really hard. I mean, this is harder than I thought. And we're, we're going to focus on that today. And hopefully in your group, you may have shared some stories where that had happened. And maybe for you, maybe it was a job, or maybe it is a job. And you know, you would like nothing more than to be able to walk in and take those expense reports and tell your boss to stick them somewhere. And you just really wish that that could happen, and you could walk away from it and quit. But it's more complicated than that, isn't it? Or maybe it's a major in college, and you're thinking, you know, I, I'm three years down this road, not really sure that this is what I want to do, 
but how do I back out? How do I quit? How do I navigate this? Or for some, maybe it's a marriage. Maybe you're married and you're like, you know, it's just not what I thought it was going to be. It's just not what I hoped it would be. I feel stuck in this marriage. Well, this morning we're all going to talk about the temptation to quit. But I want us to focus our attention on the temptation to quit our faith. What happens when we're tempted to walk out on Jesus, on God, on Christianity, on just the fact like, you know what, I'm done with all this. I'm just done with it. And I just want to leave. So if you brought a Bible, I want you to turn it to the book of John. Or if you have it on your phone or tablet or your high tech, we're going to look at the book of John chapter 6. And we're going to go through a, a good portion of this chapter. And we're going to have to move through some of it really quick to get through. But basically, we're going to see in this story today that Peter asks a very important question. And we'll get to that a little later in the message. But this story about Peter. Peter is uh, the guy who walked with Jesus. He's the guy who was the fisherman that Jesus called. He's a historical figure. Peter was also the one who Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church. He's also the one that was at the day of Pentecost after Jesus had risen from the dead and they started the church and thousands of people came to follow Christ. So it's that Peter that's in this story. So let's look at John chapter six, starting in verse one. The first thing it says is after this, now after this refers to what happened in chapter five. And what happened in chapter five with Jesus healed a man who was lame and the Pharisees got in a big argument with him and he kind of threw a spiritual smackdown on the Pharisees and they had this tension going on. So that had happened. So after that, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. And a huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. So later on in this passage, if we're going to skip ahead, Jesus then feeds the 5,000. And that's a story where all these people showed up to hear Jesus speak. They didn't have anything to eat. So Jesus took a little boy's Happy Meal, who had a breadstick and a filet of fish sandwich, and he basically fed everyone there, thousands of people. And he fed them so much that they were like unzipping their pants or undoing their pants. It would have been toga, so he wouldn't have done that. But you know, you're just like, oh, I'm so full. So Jesus fed all of these people with one little boy's lunch. Then the next story that we see is Jesus walked on the water. So the disciples were in this boat, and there's a storm, and Jesus comes walking on the water. So he's doing these miraculous, crazy things, and people are flocking to see Jesus. Everywhere he goes, it's this huge crowd. I mean, he's more popular than the royal baby. You know, people are just, like, coming out. If Jesus is there, people are showing up. They're waiting all night. They want to see him. They want to hear him. We haven't heard people, a person teach like this, do us another miracle. So all this is going on. And in verse 22, it says the crowd went to look for Jesus when they couldn't find him because they wanted to see more miracles. Now, verse 35, Jesus gives them a little instruction. This is what he says. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, Jesus' claim in this verse was very offensive to the people who were hearing it. I mean, he's kind of making a claim that the pathway to God is through him that he has something special. He has this connection with God and he can bring fulfillment. And, and people were all about the miracles. I mean, they were all about all these things that Jesus had to do. But when he started teaching like this, people started to go, what, what are you saying? 
What are you claiming? I mean, who do you think you are that you would say this? Look at verse 41. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement. They started murmuring, and in one little part of the passage, it says people started going, isn't that Jesus? Isn't that Mary and Joseph's son? I mean, like, I, I mean, I knew him when he was a snotty-nosed little kid. I mean, I, I went to high school with his dad. I mean, this is the same guy who's now claiming all of these crazy things. And, like, who does he think he is? And so the disciples are starting to get a little nervous because, you know, they're here with Jesus. Jesus is a rock star. Everywhere he goes, he's a spiritual rock star, and they're right beside him. And so they start seeing people start murmuring, and I think it makes them nervous because they're like, okay, what, what, what are we going to do? I mean, how, how are we going to deal with this? Verse 51, Jesus goes on and teaches, I am the living bread that came down from heaven, and anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I offer so the world may live is my flesh. Now, Jesus was talking about two very important symbols that was used in the Jewish Passover that that Jewish people would have found understood, but they would have found it offensive also. The bread that he's talking about, when they celebrated the Passover feast, bread was the, the main thing in all of the meals. It always involved bread. So they understood that. Now Jesus is saying that he is that bread. He, he is able to do that. And he's also talking about blood. And in Jewish, the Jewish Passover, they understood the blood because the blood was in the 10th plague when the Israelites were in Egypt, and before they were going to leave, the Passover was celebrated because God told them to take the blood of a lamb and to put it over the doorpost. And then during the 10th plague, when the death angel came, he was going to kill the firstborn child of every family, except those who had blood over their doorpost. And then he was going to pass over that house. So that's where the word comes from. So now we've got this bread and this blood, which, which the Jews understood. And now Jesus is claiming to represent both of those things. Verse 52, then the people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give his flesh to eat? They ask. They thought Jesus was talking about cannibalism. They thought he was saying, why is he telling us to eat his flesh and drink his blood? That, we, we don't understand that. That seems weird to us. Verse 53. So Jesus again said, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. Now, Jesus was referring to the Lord's Supper, which we kind of, most of us kind of get and understand, which we'll take and share with later in our service. But this is pre-Lord's Supper, okay? This is people going, we don't know what you're talking about. This sounds weird to us. This sounds strange. You sound a little crazy when you're saying these things. And he was making these, these statements as if he had authority from God to make them. And I think the disciples were already kind of huddling over to the side going, what are we going to do? Like, Jesus is talking crazy. Like, we need to get a press conference together, and we need to somehow, somehow in the press conference soften what he is saying. Because this is, like, people don't like this. His popularity is going down. People are unfollowing him from Facebook. He's losing Twitter followers. I mean, all of these things are happening. His, his approval rating is going down. Jesus has got to stop talking like this because everyone loves him when he does these miracles and feeds people. But all of this blood and bread and I am the path to the God, like, this is making people nervous. So they're thinking about softening his message. And then there's a realization from the crowd 
that following Jesus wasn't all about like circus miracles that, and, and people being healed. And it wasn't about, you know, the blind being able to see. And it wasn't about casting out demons and then pigs running off a cliff and all that. And it wasn't about endless buffets where you get to eat all you want. All of a sudden they start realizing, hmm, it sounds like there's a lot more to this than all of this stuff that we like to watch and follow around. Verse 60, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And after that, he taught some more. And, and many of his followers, the fans, the ones that traveled from town to town, the one that had, ones that had the I Love Jesus t-shirts on, and the ones who were stood in line all night to be at the front of, of right there when he was going to teach, many of them gave up on Jesus. Look at verse 66. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. They gave up. They quit. They left. They threw in the towel. Adios, amigos. We're out of here. Not doing it anymore. It's been great. Loved all the miracles. Loved the meals, Jesus. But I'm not sure we can, like, really follow you. You you say some things that I'm not sure if we fully understand. And why did they leave? Why did the people desert Jesus? Because it was hard. Because the things that he was claiming were things that they weren't necessarily comfortable with. It, It didn't seem to be worth it anymore. It wasn't relevant to them and there were other things that they wanted to do. So look at verse 67. This is, this is when the story gets really interesting. Then Jesus turned to the 12, the people, the guys that had been following him around, living with him, for, uh, that he'd been providing for, the ones that he had called to follow him, and Peter was one of them. He turned and asked them, are you also going to leave Now, this is such a a relevant question for you and I because there are times in our lives or there have been times or there will be times when you are going to be tempted to do the very same thing and you're going to have to ask yourself, am I going to leave too? Like, am I going to walk out? Am I in this for the long haul? Would it be easier to do something else? And here's where those times are for you and I. Let me give you a couple categories. During a time of transition... During a time of transition, you go from middle school to high school, you go from high school to college, you go from college to the first job, you go from that, from living in a hometown to moving uh, to a city far away. And during those times of transition, many times we start thinking, you know, I, I don't know about this whole thing with Jesus. Because many of the times in transition, you leave um, a situation where it's comfortable, you know people, they know you. Now you're stepping into a situation where people don't know you, they don't have the same values that you have, they don't, there's not the same support system as you have. And it's many times that it's easy to go, you know what, my faith seemed to matter when I was over here. Now that I've moved over here and like I'm a big boy and I'm a big girl and I've made this transition, it's different. It's just different. And in those times of transition, we are very often tempted to go, you know, I'm just going to try to do this alone. I don't know if I need God. I don't know if he really, you know, makes a lot of sense to me now. Everyone around me doesn't seem to be following and I don't get a lot of support. So I think I'm just going to ditch the thing and just kind of blaze my own trail. Also, during a time of temptation, we're often tempted to quit. You meet this really hot guy or this really hot girl, and, you know, instantly there's, like, chemistry. I mean, there's total chemistry. I mean, he's into you, you're into her. I mean, all that stuff is is happening. But you realize they have no relationship with Jesus. 
none whatsoever. And your relationship with Jesus is kind of getting in the way of this relationship. And so, you, you know, you say to yourself, you rationalize, you're like, I know she doesn't love Jesus, but man, have you seen how hot she is? I mean, like in a pair of jeans, oh my goodness. And so you're thinking all this stuff in your head, but you get to the point where you realize that it's Jesus or him, or it's Jesus or her, but it can't be both. It can't be both. And the temptation is to go with the hot girl, just to go see where it goes. You know, I'll just try this for a while, see what happens. You know, uh, Jesus is just not convenient for me right now. Or during a time of trial, many times we're tempted to give up. When, when things just are not going well, you're going through a tough time financially, you're not sure how you're going to pay the rent at the end of the month, there doesn't seem to be enough money in the bank, you're struggling with that. Or it's a job that you've lost and you can't find another one and doesn't seem to be one on the horizon. You can't really figure out like, why, why there's not an answer there. Or it's a medical issue. You go to the doctor and, and you know, he says, I got bad news. And he tells you the bad news and you're like, okay, so can we fix that? And he's like, well, we can treat it. I'm not sure we can fix it. You're like, man, or it's just marriage again is hard, and you feel stuck. And here's the thing. When we're in a tr trial like that, we pray, we pray, we pray, and we pray, and you've waited, and you've waited, and you've waited, but nothing seems to be getting better. And when nothing seems to be getting better, you say in your mind, isn't God supposed to show up here? Like, we had this deal, I thought. And isn't he supposed to show up and, like, take care of everything? Because I'm trying to be a good person. I go to church. I read my Bible. I do all this stuff. I even give some money. I thought God would like show up and help me out here. And what's the point in trusting in God if my life sucks and it doesn't seem like it's really getting any better? Well, I don't feel like he's holding up his end of the bargain. God isn't being faithful to me, so what's the point in me being faithful to him? And you're tempted to walk out. You're tempted to give up. You're tempted to throw in the towel. And during that time when you're tempted, it's as if Jesus can look deep down into your eyes and say, are you also going to leave? Are you also going to leave? I mean, other people have left. Are, are, are you going to leave also? The first time that I really had to face that issue was when I was preparing to go off to college. And I had felt a um, real sense of calling by God that was very clear to me when I was a sophomore in high school. During my sophomore and junior year, I was at a summer youth conference and I felt a deep calling from God to go into full-time ministry and do it as a vocation. I, I had a lot of questions. I didn't know what that meant, but it felt really clear that that's what God was calling me to do. So I graduated from high school, signed up to go to Cincinnati Christian University, and uh, went off to school there. Now, I grew up in Chandler, Indiana, which is a town of one stoplight. Okay, that was the geographical marker for our town. You know, go to the stoplight, take a right, or it's before you get to the stoplight. You know, everything happens centered around the stoplight. And so um, I moved all my stuff to Cincinnati, Ohio, which was much bigger than Chandler, Indiana. I knew nothing about Cincinnati. I'd never eaten Skyline Chili. I'd never had La Rosa's Pizza. I didn't understand what all that Cincinnati stuff was all about. But I showed up for freshman orientation. I didn't know a soul didn't know a person. My mom and dad dropped me off. We unpacked the car. Then there's that awkwardness of like everything's unpacked and they're kind of standing there and I'm kind of standing there and you're kind of like, don't really know what to do here now. We've never done this before. So they eventually left. And when they left, I sat down on my bed for the first time and I had this overwhelming sense of emotion. Like, what have you 
done. I mean, what have you got yourself into? I wasn't just going to a Christian university. I was studying to be a pastor full-time and work within a church. And I had been a part of a church growing up, and I had known about the crazy deacons that stand out behind the church and smoke. I knew about the elders that, you know, were very controlling and, and made all the decisions. I knew about the senior pastor's wife, no offense, Kathy, that could be very manipulative and wanted to control everything. And here I was going, God, I'm going to be, like, I'm going to study to do this, like, full-time. Like, I'm a full-time pastor. Like, my job is to be a Christian. Is that really what I want to do? And then I thought, what if I get there and there are no cute girls? I mean, like, can I go to college for four years and, like, there's no cute girls? Like, what, what if everyone is really nerdy and, like, a Bible geek and they're the ones that, you know, win when they play Bible Bowl and they know all the answers and they got all the verses memorized and I'm like, I don't know any of this stuff. I mean, what, I'm not going to fit in. How's that going to work? What did I sign up for? And a lot of you have had moments in your life when you're like that, when you're like, you feel God going, are, are you going to leave too? And you're like, um, well, it kind of catches you off guard, right? Well, I, 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 um, I don't really know what to say. And because of a time of transition, because of a time of temptation, because of a time of trial, there have been times, or there will be times, when you'll think about walking out on Jesus. And that's exactly where Peter and James and John and Andrew and all the apostles were. They were thinking about giving up on Jesus because it was hard, because it was risky, because they realized what Jesus was teaching and it was going to cost them something. In fact, it may cost them their life. And they're like, yeah, we kind of believed it, but it's getting tough now. And these were the guys that had followed Jesus. They'd been with Jesus. They'd seen the miracles. And can you imagine the awkward pause when Jesus looked at all of them and said, are you thinking about leaving too? Now, this was Jesus. You can't lie to Jesus, okay? Because he knows. He knows what, he already really knows the answer to your question. So I imagine Jesus asked that question, and there's a lot of, like, uh, not making eye contact with Jesus and kind of making eye contact with each other, you know, and they're, like, looking, looking at the ground. They're, like, just doing, doing a lot of that kind of stuff. And at this dramatic moment, Peter speaks. Peter, the one who often said the wrong thing, who sometimes put his foot in his mouth. But this time he said something brilliant. And, and, and Peter asked a question that I hope and pray as one of your pastors that I could stick it down deep inside your soul. And the next time you're tempted to walk out, to quit, to step out on your, of your faith and throw in the towel, you would ask the very same question. Because the question that Peter asked is so clarifying. And here's what he said in verse 68. Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? To whom would we go? I, I mean, really, seriously. Where else am I going to go, Jesus? Now, it wasn't that Peter wasn't tempted to go. I mean, I think he stood there and was like, yeah, I thought about it. You know, if I'm honest, I've thought about leaving. I've thought about, you know, but what would I do? Where would I go? But what Peter recognized is what most people don't think about or recognize until it's too late. When you choose to stop following Jesus, you choose to start following someone or something else automatically. You stop following Jesus, you choose to start following or start following someone or someone else. And Peter knew that if he said no to Jesus, he was automatically saying yes to something else. And Peter's saying, no, I'm tempted. Yeah, I understand Jesus. I, but, but to whom would I turn? 
to who else would I go to? And that's the same issue for you and I. It's the issue that some of you are facing today because it's hard to follow Jesus. People don't pat you on the back. They don't congratulate you for doing the right thing, for, for turning the other cheek, for loving your enemies. No one's patting you on the back and saying, man, you are so awesome for doing that. No one's saying that. It's hard. It's hard to do that. You don't get a lot of congratulations, but before you walk, you need to consider the options. That's what Peter did. I was around eight years old, and... Um, I decided to run away from home. My mom and dad can remember that story. I didn't like the way things were going. I didn't think things were fair. I was upset. I was emotional. I'm crying. So I, my mom helped me pack my suitcase. I went and got a suitcase. She helped me pack it, which was very nice of her. I put things in it, and I walked. And I was, like, threatening. I'm going to leave. And they're like, okay. I, really seriously, I will walk out of this house. Like, Okay. So I left the house, and I went out to the garage, and I just sit there for a while. And I'm just sitting in the garage, and I sit there. I think I was out there for probably an hour. Maybe, it, it, I don't know if this is exactly. I was out there for a while. I, I hear my mom in the kitchen making supper, like dishes are clanking and that, and I can start smelling it. So I'm like, man, I am hungry. So I open up my suitcase, and I look in there. You know, I thought I did bring a change of underwear. I did bring uh, some jeans and a shirt and some shoes, but I didn't have any food. I also didn't have any money at all. I think I remember I did have a bar of soap, which uh, I don't know why I had a bar of soap, but I had that. And at that moment, I started realizing, you know what? I really may have overlooked some things, okay? I... I, I really maybe have assumed some things that I thought that I just made this decision emotionally, irrationally, and now it's not quite panning out like I thought it was going to. But you know the exact feeling, don't you? You know the exact feeling of what that's like, of walking away or, or being tempted. Because when we're tempted to give up on Jesus— very often, when we follow someone or something else, we don't really think through what it is that we're following. And that's what Peter is saying. And next, look at the things that Peter says that brought him to that conclusion, the second part of verse 68. He says, you have the words that give eternal life. Jesus, nobody else offers that to me. Jesus, what else am I going to do? Go back and fish with my dad? You know, I've seen my dad's life. That's a hard life. You know, go make a meager income fishing with my dad. Jesus, you have called me to a bigger purpose. You have called me to something that's bigger than myself. It's a part of my heavenly Father's plan. It it is a part of something that's eternal and that lasts and that makes a difference. And any other thing that I do doesn't really have that. It's not really going to lead me to that. So here's what Peter knew. Giving up Jesus for temptation really wasn't going to pan out in the end. I mean, that girl, that girl that you're tempted to, to not follow Jesus so you can follow the hot girl, just play that out about 25 or 30 years, okay? I mean, just saying, okay, you go to the nursing home, you, do you see a lot of hot girls in hot jeans at the nursing home? Okay, just saying, you play that out. Is that where really that's going to lead? How long, how hot is that gonna, girl going to be for like 30, 40, 50 years? Whenever there's a time of transition, 
you know, you think, well, my, my professors, you know, they kind of say that all this stuff's made up, and, you know, like, they seem to kind of know what they're talking about, and, um, you know, in high school, I believed it, now I'm here, and I, 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 I'm not sure. Well, let me tell you something. Just because your professor talks a big game up front doesn't mean that he's always going to be right, and your professor may be smarter than you, but it's also highly likely that he's not as wise as you. And before you run out on Jesus and before you throw it all away because somebody stood up and said some things that kind of seemed to make sense, Peter would say, have you considered where else you're going to turn? To whom will you go? Giving up on Jesus during a trial because things are are hard and you think there's going to be a better outcome. God promised us over and over, whatever we face, no matter what we're going through, it will not last. In fact, in his time, in his perfect timing, he will give you a way out. God is not late. He is never late. He is completely on time. And ultimately, you have a treasure in heaven that cannot be taken away from you. Peter realized that no option could give him what Jesus was giving him. No option. So if you're not going to follow Jesus, who are you going to follow? That's the question that a lot of us never think about. Do you really think that there's going to be something so satisfying in this world that at some point in your life you can say, I'm so glad that I stopped following Jesus so I could start following blank. Fill it in. Whatever it is that you want to put in there, fill it in. Do you really think at some point in your life you're going to be able to say that? Peter said you're not. That's why he didn't give up. And whenever you stop following Jesus, you know what? You're always downgrading. Nobody downgrades in our culture. Nobody. I mean, we upgrade. We upgrade everything. We're always upgrading. We're thinking about the next upgrade. This, this week, it's all been about the iPhone. It's all been about the new iPhones, iPhone, iOS 7, and everybody's talking about upgrading. You never heard a person say this week, no, I think I'm going to take my iPhone and give it to my sister so I can get a Nokia flip phone. Did you hear anybody say that this week? No. Did you hear anybody say, no, I didn't upgrade to iOS 7. In fact, I downgraded my operating system to iOS 2.3.2. Like, who does that? Nobody does that. No one says, you know what? Um, LTE is just too fast for me. I don't really like having that fast phone. I like the 3G when it was really slow and, you know, gave me a lot of time to wait for things to pop up on my screen. Nobody says that. Nobody says that, right? Because we don't downgrade. We always upgrade. I mean, you always go, I want something better. I want the newest thing. I want something better. Well, when you're following Jesus and you decide to unfollow him, you're downgrading spiritually. You're just downgrading. Why would you unfollow him? Because it's hard? Because it's inconvenient? Because it's difficult? Because other people around you aren't doing it? I, I get that. And Matt and I often talk, and I, I've told Matt, I believe one of the big mistakes of the U.S. church is that we have sold people on this idea that if you follow Jesus, everything's going to be taken care of. Everything's going to be great. You're going to get all the money you want. You're going to be successful. Everything's going to pan out. Nothing's ever going to go wrong in your life. And Jesus never said any of that. He never claimed any of those things. Those are things we've made up. That's, that's American Christian marketing that's going on. But here's the one thing that Jesus did talk about. Following Jesus may cost you something, but not following Jesus or unfollowing Jesus will cost you everything. That's what Peter understood. He said to Jesus, to whom should we go? 
to whom will I go, Jesus? I, I've thought about it. You give us the gift of eternal life. The things that you do are going to last. You've invited me to be a part of it. And if I say no to this, where else am I going? I mean, what am I going to do? Nothing else. I've been down that road, and it doesn't pan out. So the next time you're tempted to bail, the next time you find yourself in a transition, a temptation, or a trial, and you think, I, I think I might just do something different, I want you to ask yourself that question. To whom will I go? Let me pray for you. Hey, God, I thank you for um, Peter's words, and I thank you for his wisdom, and I thank you that he was able to look through all that was going on, and when lots of people started bailing, um, running, leaving, he looked at things and really was able to clearly look and realize that, you know what? Um, Following you, Jesus, is is my best option. It's really my only option. And anything else that I do is not going to work. It's not going to pan out. So through transitions, through trials, through temptations, um, he said, Jesus, I'm going to stick with you. Not, not because I've not been tempted to not to, but when I think about it, I really understand that what you are offering me, things that are eternal, is the best plan for me. Now, I realize with your heads bowed, uh, most of what we talked about today has been kind of for uh, people who follow Jesus, and it's the persevere, don't give up um, kind of speech. But maybe you're sitting there today, and you're like, you know what? I've really never followed Jesus. I, I, I don't know that I've really ever made a decision to do that. I've just kind of been watching from the sidelines, observing somebody invited me here. I know a friend who goes to church, and I came with her. And maybe you've said, you know, I, I don't, I've never, can't ever think of a time in my life when I said, I choose to follow Jesus. I choose to trust that my sins are are forgiven and washed away because of the work that he did on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. And maybe you've never, ever, ever made that decision. So with everyone sitting down, if you're at a point today where you would say, I want to start following Jesus... I want to ask you just to stand up in your seat. We'll all have our heads bowed, but would you just stand up where you're at? I don't want anyone to go home today and feel like no one asked me or invited me to follow Jesus. So if that's where you are, just take a moment and just stand up in your seat. Father, thank you again that you died on the cross for us and rose from the dead so that we could have eternal life. And give us the courage and the wisdom and the strength to deal with temptations, trials, and transitions to follow you. Father, and ask as Peter asked, whom shall we go? And know that you give us the gifts of eternal life. So Father, we thank you for this. We thank you for your words. We thank you for allowing us to unpack this story today. And may we be encouraged by it this week. In Christ's name, amen.